At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, warmer from Evo! Welcome to Love Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops. With myself, Greg Ames Peterson, now part of the Beats and Family Podcast. We've got an excellent podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, Mike Randall. He does such good work over at FTN Network. We're going to be talking about what we all saw this weekend. We're going to be taking a look at the tenor of some of these conferences. Certainly going to be diving in on the top teams out there in the SEC and why some of these teams are being a little bit over slash undervalued based on the perception around them as well. We'll also take a look at a few games for Monday. In the final segment, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Monday as we had some bank shots. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. Naming does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Didn't get in any Twitter slash X questions today and was not the most expansive slate in college basketball on Sunday, but there were still some fun games. So let's take a look back at it all, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Unfortunately, a couple too many late fouls costed us with the DK Network write-up of the under in Illinois versus Rutgers. Still holding pretty steady, though. I will take 45-31 and 31 at this point of the season anytime. This has been my best start, so just have to bounce back on Monday. But that's it, Illinois. They get it done by a count of 86-63. to Illinois, by the way, now 10-5-3 against the spread, so they've been pretty dominant with that regard for Rutgers. They did their part in terms of helping out the under with their offense, not so much on defense, as they go 3-14 from three-point range. For Rutgers, you were able to have Cliff Amarui go off for 22 points, sign rebounds. Nobody else really helped him out, and Terrence Shannon came in off the bench. He had 16 points, four assists, 
for an Illinois team that did turn the ball for 13 times, and they went to 6-27 from 3, but they got to the free throw line 27 times. They did a good job dominating on the boards as well, 46-32, and for Illinois, they legitimately have each other top six scores, giving you at least four rebounds per game. So an impressive showing there, a not-so-impressive showing once again from Maryland, who's now 7-12 against the spread, and they really have been able to hit unders for you. 61-59, Michigan State pulls that out as they go 6-17 of from three-point range. Well, this bunch in Maryland is able to run you off the three-point arc. They really do give it up when you are able to get off those open three-point looks. And by the way, for this Maryland team, in terms of their overrate, they are currently playing just 36% of their games to the over. 12 unders to 7 overs for Maryland. Actually, Rutgers is your best under team in the conference with the uh, over hitting on Sunday. They've now played just 6 overs to 12 unders, but for this Maryland team, 8-22 from 3-par range. A very above-average 3-point night for them, but that said, they've lost the turnover battle 18-8, to and that's where they got cooked in this game because they also won the rebound battle by con 37-22. Julian Reese was able to chip in there. Three blocks, 10 points, 12 rebounds. But for Michigan State, they were able to have Trey Hallman coming off the bench. He had 12 points. He went three of four from three-point range. And then Ty Walker, 15 points, five assists, five seals. Michigan State, by not turning the ball over, they were able to find a way to get it done. And a team that did not find a way to get it done, that would be Memphis. Back-to-back losses for them after they entered into the week, riding a 10-plus game win streak, 81-79. Tulane finds a way to be able to pull it on. And it looked like Memphis was going to be able to break away in this one. They were leading with about nine minutes remaining. And then Tulane, they had a very nice response for Tulane. They were able to get 22 points out of Sion James, who just stuffed the stat sheet. He also had six assists, seven rebounds, for a Tulane team that went 10 of 24 from three parish. Memphis right there, 9 to 24 from distance. Adavi Jones did all that he could. 32 points, 11 rebounds. Just those ancillary guards not being able to step up for the team was very costly. They were also without Caleb Mills in this game. As well, Malcolm Dandridge should have eight blocks of his own. But for this Tulane team, they were able to win the turnover battle 14 to 7. That proved to be absolutely massive, along with Memphis shooting 14 of 22 at the free throw line. Never neglect handicapping free throw shooting when it comes to a lot of these games. And don't neglect this. How about a really good under team in South Florida being able to cash you another under? They have now played 12 unders or just four overs thus far this season. A win, but no cover on a lot of numbers. A lot of places close this at four and a half with South Florida winning by kind of 72 to 68. And this was a little bit of a rough one if you did lay it with South Florida as they were up double figures with about 10 or so minutes remaining. But Wichita State did have Harnell Beverly on their side despite the fact that this team went two of 19 from three par range. Kobe Rogers, 11 points on 13 shots. Beverly did chip in there, 15 points, 6 boards, and the bench. They were able to do a really solid job as well. Combined 32 points from your bench pieces for Wichita State. And South Florida, just 6 of 25 from 3-point range themselves. Kishon Pryor, he had 25 points, 10 rebounds. But South Florida, they lose a rebound medal, 39 to 31. And Wichita State, they were able to get a nice quality cover. We saw a lot of Metro Atlantic action on Sunday as well. Thank you to the Metro Atlantic because not a lot of other teams want to play on Sundays. And Niagara has been one of your best over teams in all of college basketball. They and Fairfield. And Niagara, they were able to hit an over in this one. They're now 14-3 and to the over. And they get this one done all right on the money line. 82-71. to Mount St. Mary's was a 5.5 point favorite. And Mount St. Mary's went 1-4 of four from 3. Niagara, very atypical 3-point shooting day. But they go 12-18 of 18 from distance. You're able to get 23 points out of Ahmad Henderson, the second. It certainly has been a Niagara defense that has been diminished from past years, but offense has been a lightning rod, and they were able to get that one in, and then Fairfield 
field. They played it over, and they were on a lot of lines, unable to get it done. This was an opener more roundabout a 6.5 to a 7, but this closed closer to 8, 8.5 for Fairfield. They were up double figures throughout much of the second half, but Manan was able to pull within three with about three minutes remaining, and Manan loses by kind of 82 to 75 to get the cover, despite the fact that Fairfield goes 15 to 27 from three. Manan, they themselves go 12 of 34 from distance as off the bench. You got a 4 of 5 three-point shooting effort out of Perry Cohen, who I'm not sure why he hasn't gotten more minutes. Meanwhile, Bryson Goodine of the bench for Fairfield, he had 13 points on 3 of 5 three-point shooting. And then you were able to get nine rebounds as well from Peyton Smith for Fairfield to be able to do a solid job playing even up on the glass, winning that turnover battle by kind of 14-8. So some very intriguing results there. And then you've also got one of your top under teams in all of college basketball playing another under. Maris unable to cover the spread, but they take down Siena by kind of 50-48. to a game of which Siena scored eight points in the final 13-27 of this game. It got really, really ugly. And as a matter of fact, for the Siena bunch, they were able to get off to a 20-4 run. And from the 11:53 mark on, they scored a grand total of 28 points. They got outscored 20-8 in the final 13-plus minutes of this game. As Sean Duber-Gordon literally had nearly half of the team's points. He had 16 points. Five boards, well, he had 33% of the team's points, but nobody else on the roster had north of seven points for a Siena bunch that goes 8 of 15 at the free throw line, and they had 20 turnovers and 17 made buckets. Meanwhile, for Maris, they were just cold from the floor. We've been seeing that all season long. We saw that when I wrote them up with my DK and over right a few days ago, 2 of 16 from three-point range, but Max Allen, 15 points, 9 rebounds, powers Maris to a victory, and that powers yet another under, and then the upchucking of the day did have to go to Iona. Iona was up 12 points with less than 5 minutes remaining in this one, and they make like your buddy at the bar, and they cannot close. Iona loses Quinnipiac 91-87 on a relative pick of line. Quinnipiac in a lot of spots, they were laying one. I personally laid one with them as well. And for Quinnipiac, he go just 5 of 16 from 3 par range. But they were able to have Paul Otino be able to chip in there a double-double, 15 points, 10 rebounds. Quinnipiac wins the battle on the glass 27-22 as both of these teams had quite a few turnovers. Quinnipiac lost that battle by one. And Eden Tretout was able to chip in there 30 points for Iona. He goes 6 of 11 from 3 par range. But for Quinnipiac, 20 of 22 at the free throw line and 59% shooting overall from the floor. That powers them to victory. And this is an Iona team that all of a sudden against the spread. They are now sitting at 9-9. It's been very topsy-turvy for them. Ryder has actually been your worst cover eight team out there in the Metro Atlantic. They're at just 6-11 and 11 against the spread. Meanwhile, St. Peter's are 10-5 and 5 against the spread. They take down Canisius by a count of 70-59 to 59 for St. Peter's. They go 8-19 of 19 from three-par range, but they keep this game under because they were able to force Canisius into 17 turnovers, which is the same amount of made field goals that they had in this one. So St. Peter's, they were able to get it done out there in the NEC. This is always a haven of unders, especially in conference play. And oh, Merrimack. Was able to get it done once again. The Merry Men of Merrimack were able to get a 63-47 win over a Stone Hill team that has just been getting absolutely romped for Merrimack. They're actually just 10 unders to 8 overs, so they're actually playing more overs than they have in past years. But for Merrimack, just an absolute stymieing defense. For Stone Hill, they go 6 of 30 from 3-point range with 22 turnovers. And Merrimack went 11 of 41 from 3-point range. And they went 9 of 18 on their 2. So... 
That was a very interesting result. Actually, one of your best under teams in uh, all of college basketball has been LIU, Long Island. They lose to uh, Central Connecticut, 72-63. Long Island, four overs, 12 unders, and a push. Your defense has been a little bit better this year. The offense has been all over the place as they go. LIU does. Four of 15 from three-par range, nine of 18 at the free throw line, while Central Connecticut goes 20 of 25 at the charity stripe. And this was a really bad non-cover for an LIU team that closed right around eight and a half point underdogs for LIU. They actually had a lead with about seven and a half minutes remaining. This was a game that was very nip and tuck. And then for LIU, they pretty much flatlined as they were down 64 to 63 with a buck 58 remaining. And then from there, they would not score again to allow Central Connecticut to be able to get the cover in that one. And then if you're looking at LeMoyne, all of a sudden they would be able to get a little bit hot. 94 to 57. They take down St. Francis of Pennsylvania in a pretty nice masterclass out there if you're looking at NEC teams and the way that they've been able to cover the spread. LeMoyne now 11-4-1 against the spread. Meanwhile, Sono I alluded to a little bit earlier. 5-15 against the spread. And then we did see Utah win but not cover against Oregon. 80-77 the final as Oregon. They go 12-24 from three-par range. Jermaine Cuisard, 26 points. And then Fali Dante, 23 points, 10 boards, 6 assists. Welcome back to him. But even with Raleigh Worcester out of the fold for Utah, they were able to play some pretty efficient offense. They did lose a turnover battle, 14-8, but they did go 11 of 27 from three-point range, and they had on their side a man that was able to chip in their 24 points to Davion Smith, nine boards, nine assists, so one board, one assist away from a triple-double. Nice cover for Oregon, but no win for them, and for Florida Atlantic, they are still searching for their first cover in American Conference play. They get the win, but they required overtime as a 16.5-point favorite against UTSA. Meet me for the Roadrunners, 112 12 to 103, the final in Florida Atlantic has really been playing quite a few overs for you as well. For Florida Atlantic, 17 of 35 from three-point range. John L. Davis, Elijah Martin, they combined for 60 points in this one, but the defense has really taken a fall off. For Florida Atlantic, they do win the turnover battle 13 to 7, but for UTSA, they go 25 of 32 at the free throw line as Jordan Ivy Curry, 38 points off the bench. That has to be the most points we've seen off the bench for any player thus far this season. And for UTSA, they have now played 12 overs at 600. So they have been a very nice over team for you this season. And Indiana State has been a relatively good over team as well. But they don't play the over in this one against Murray State. But they do get a very resounding win and cover as well as they're looking strong out there in the Missouri Valley. 72-63 to for Indiana State. They go 13 of 29 from three-point range. The 16 turnovers was a little bit unsightly and unlike them. But... They do advance to 12 and 6 against the spread. Meanwhile, for Murray State, they went 7 of 20 from three-point range, but that said, they were not able to do their part on the glass. They lose that battle 39 to 30. For Murray State, you did have 21 points, six boards out of Quincy Anderson, but Indiana State just too good with their three-point shooting. And Robbie Avila at six foot 11, 20 points, five assists, seven boards, just absolutely incredible. And what is incredible right now in college basketball, all the overs that we are seeing. My goodness, it's tough to get in under this year. 52% of games overall in college basketball this season have won over the total. 1,596 overs, 1,474 unders. Meanwhile, overall for the season, home underdogs have had a really rough go of it. 389, 396, and 15 against the spread. That's a 49.6% hit rate with favorites overall. Hitting at about 51%, 1515. 
1494 with quite a few pushes along the way. And if you look at the last seven days in college basketball, overs are at 58.9%. 198 overs, 138 unders with home underdogs getting wrecked. 46, 58, and 2 against the spread over the last seven days. This despite the fact the favorites are just 166, 160, and 10 against the spread. So, I mean, the road favorites have been really just feasting. Meanwhile, the home favorites, they've been having a little bit of a rough time with it. I'm not sure how that works, but road teams are hitting at about 53% against the spread in the last seven days. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now, and that's what we all got on Sunday. Coming up next, we're going to be talking to Mike Randall about how a team's perception has been leaning to them being perhaps a little bit overrated, underrated. We're going to take a look at some games for Sunday, recap a bit of the weekend, and so much more right here on Coast Coast Seats with myself, Greg Eves and now a part of the at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
And we're back here in Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Eves Peters, and now part of the Beast Family Podcast. And it is always great to be joined by this man as Mike Randall. He does a tremendous job over at FDN Network taking a look at this game that we all know and love of college basketball with a podcast of his own, the Screen and the Screener Podcast. You're able to catch that wherever you get your podcast. And he's the chief content officer over there at FDN Network. So while he does an amazing job with college basketball, he's also doing a nice job on the DFS side of things when it comes to taking a look at the NBA. I know that he's been locked in on his NFL player props as now we're getting into the prime part of the season there as well. And you're able to follow my Twitter slash X at Randall Rant all together. And Mike, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Great to be back, sir. Busy weekend, divisional, NBA, college basketball, a lot of fun stuff as always, the way we like it. Yes, absolutely. Could have been made a little bit better if my Green Bay Packers wouldn't have, I don't know, missed a few field goals and things like that. But you know what, all in all, a very good weekend. And when it comes to what we all saw this weekend in college basketball, is there anything that stuck out in terms of a surprise to the positive or the negative? Because certainly the Sunday card really didn't leave a whole lot of shockwaves or anything like that. But it was a very crazy Saturday, in my opinion, with a lot of strange finishes. You know, people tend to gravitate towards certain teams, Greg, and away from certain teams. The general college basketball public cannot be any colder on the lack of sex appeal for Tennessee and Wisconsin. However, I will tell you that I think this is the year that Rick Barnes and a Wisconsin team that's very solid make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Tennessee now has the player that they needed. They Ever since Chris Lofton was there, if you remember him, they really haven't had a go-to guy. Dalton Connect is that guy. He makes all these other players like Jonas Adu and Ganey and, and Triple J, all those guys get into roles they're more comfortable with. And on the other side, Wisconsin is super impressive. They have A.J. Storr, who has brought a new dimension to this team. Tyler Wall is solid. Crawl inside. Six and one here in the Big Ten. Took care of business against Indiana. Only stumble they had was Penn State. But they beat Northwestern Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan State. Both these teams do not have national sex appeal. People don't love them. They say they always disappoint. They play a boring style. But you know what? Just as Virginia had a path to make it back after getting upset in the first round, I am starting to feel like Wisconsin and Tennessee have seniors, have solid coaches, and have the schematic to make a deep run this year, which is contrary to what most people think in the public. With these teams, it's been very interesting to look at them as well because you mentioned Wisconsin and Tennessee and hiding in plain sight. These teams have been much better with their offense this year. And how much do you think a team's perception itself really does hurt them as well? Because you take a look at Wisconsin in terms of points scored on a per possession basis. This is a top 35 team. Tennessee a little bit lower than that, but they're now a top 55, top 60 team. These aren't schlubs on offense, but I feel like a lot of people just think, ah, We've seen it in the past with these teams, and they aren't looking at what they've actually seen this season. No, and what they're doing, Greg, is they're also doing the reverse. I have a lot of concerns about Arizona here. I mean, we just see Arizona scoring the big numbers. You know, they're always high scoring. I don't know if I have the same confidence in them. So, yeah, I think we have to start realizing that teams that share the ball, that are balanced, that are disciplined, that don't turn it over and play solid fundamental defense may have a huge advantage. You'll remember back to that legendary battle in the Final Four between an undefeated Kentucky team and Wisconsin. 
And that team with Frank the Tank Kaminsky was able to knock off Kentucky. So now when you don't have a team with that level of stars that that Kentucky team did, is it possible that we have these boring teams that make a run? Absolutely. And it leads me to my second point, Greg. I know the Big 12 from top to bottom, I guess, is technically the best conference in college basketball. But you are going to be hard-pressed to tell me that Tennessee, Kentucky, Auburn, those teams at the top in the SEC, that doesn't represent the strongest top of any conference in college basketball. It has been incredible what we've seen out of those top SEC teams. And I feel like the SEC really looked themselves in the mirror and made some changes in the offseason. As Mike Randall, who does tremendous work over at FTN Network, is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops because I just remember last year, it was all about, oh, nobody in the SEC can hit three-pointers to save their lives. It's all defense, even though these teams play up-tempo. There's really not a lot of offense going on Sans Arkansas. Honestly, one of the worst teams in the conference as far this season. But how much do you think that the conference really just decided, you know what, we need to make some changes. And the fact that in the offseason, you did see Auburn hit the transfer portal. They bring in a Juco guy like Chad Baker Mazzara to be able to help things out. Tennessee brings the Dalton Connect. How much do you think that this was just a conference philosophy short of shift? Because I feel like these teams are much more built to be able to have success in March than they did a season ago. And it's really by committee with those teams that you mentioned. Yeah, I think what they said, Greg, is look, we know we can coach defense. We know that Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, these teams are going to play strong defensively. I would expect next year, Chris Beard at Mississippi to do a similar situation because he's obviously doing a tremendous job at Mississippi. They continue to be underrated. However, they are struggling on the road. And the reason they're struggling on the road is because they don't have the offense that they need to get over the hump here. They are 15-3, and three, Greg, Mississippi. They lost away at Tennessee by 26. They lost away at LSU. That's a bad loss. And they lost at Auburn by 23 points. So again, I think you see the great coaches who've had sustained success, like Barnes, like you've seen with Pearl, those sort of teams say, look, we just need some more offense. Cal always gets it. He's had troubles keeping it together, but this year they look elite. I think a guy like Chris Beard does the same thing. Chris Jans, those sort of coaches. But top to bottom, the best coaches to me are in the SEC and the upper echelon of that conference is better than any conference in college basketball. And I remember being out there in Nashville, Tennessee. It was my first job out of college during the 2015-16 season. That's the year that Vanderbilt was in the first four. They were lucky to get three teams into the NCAA tournament. Ever since then, the coaching hires here point. They have been absolutely on point, so I've been very impressed there. And when it comes to top conferences out there in college basketball, certainly the SEC is up there. Certainly the Big 12 is up there as well. And what have you made out of some of these Big 12 results as well? Because I do think that it's been really interesting to see what we've gotten here in the first few weeks. And it does feel like home court advantage just means a whole heck of a lot more in the Big 12 this year than it has in past years, just because with the added travel bringing in BYU bringing in Central Florida, it does seem to be taking it out of these road teams, unlike what we've really seen in past years. Yeah, what's interesting, too, is I talk with Stucky and Mike Calibers in the Action Network pod we do every Thursday night. And what's interesting is I greatly underrated the teams, Greg, like your Cincinnati, UCF, who I'm not usually a fan of Johnny Dawkins, but they've had some big wins. Those teams have come in, BYU especially, and have shown out here in the Big 12, where I thought they were going to be totally uh, blown away. I still like Houston. I grabbed them to win 
the Big 12 at plus 220. Now, that was before Kansas lost to West Virginia, so I'm sure that's changed here. But Kelvin Sampson's squad has lost two away games to Iowa State by four and one at TCU, a good TCU team by one, but they've responded well. This is a great game on Tuesday where they go to BYU. That's sort of a separation game here because Mark Pope gets that one. Watch out. But if they get that one, I think that can springboard them because then they have Kansas State at home. They go away to Texas before playing Kansas. So it is rough top to bottom. The bottom teams are just not are just as good as anyone else's. It's just I want to see what teams in the top of the Big 12 separate. Even a team, especially Jamie Dixon, TCU, how good have they played? But they lost their last two games away at Cincinnati in overtime and home to Iowa State. TJ Osselberger with a spectacular win despite not having Lipsy there, the point guard out. Huge win for him as well. So really exciting. I want to see who separates because Kansas seems very vulnerable this year. Yep, this Kansas team has been so interesting to say the least. And I take a look at them as really the most marquee team that is going to be in action on Monday. They and North Carolina. North Carolina is going to take on Wake Forest. That'll be the earlier game in terms of your more primetime Monday games. And then it's Kansas versus Cincinnati. And right now, Cincinnati is about a seven and a half to an eight point underdog. And I'm sure you're aware as well as I am that this Kansas team just simply does not lose on big Monday. That said, I'm taking a look at this 7.5 to 8 number. I think it's getting a little bit too lofty. I don't know how you take a look at this game, but I could see this being one of those classic Kansas has a struggle in the second half, pulls it out, but pulls it out by more like 5 to 6 sort of games rather than this being just a Kansas masterclass because this is a Cincinnati team that I've been pretty impressed by them on glass as far this season. Yeah, I have as well, too. Wes Miller's done a great job. They struggle to make free throws, and their offense isn't great. They have the worst free throw percentage in the Big 12 here, which is always tough to take on the road in those situations. So I'm debating myself because my instinct when I saw the line was Cincinnati, but I'm trying to dive a little deeper. This could be one of those games where, you know, it's close, and then Kansas pulls away at the end. But what I will say to your point is they have not been great at home, Kansas. I know they don't lose, but the cover is a different story. Eastern Illinois on Tuesday, November 28th, they didn't cover. Connecticut on Friday, December 1st, they didn't, I don't think they covered. Missouri at home didn't cover. TCU didn't cover. Oklahoma, they did cover, but barely. I think the line was eight and it was 12. So this is a team that has not been great at home at covering the spread. They still need to be able to shoot. Now, listen, that is a bad loss to West Virginia, so they'll be raring to go. But I'm with you here. They're vulnerable. I don't know if Cincinnati's the profile to take advantage of it. But right now, my instinct was Cincinnati, but it's right there. And you know Kansas needs this one because they can't go to three and three. Not with all these other teams they have coming up. After this one, they go way to Iowa State. We know how hard that is. Then they're home to Oklahoma State, which should be a win, before home to Houston, away at Kansas State, and Baylor. That is rough. Oh, and then, oh, by the way, after that, Grant McCaslin out of Texas Tech. So a lot of big games coming up. They're going to be raring to go. Really great game on Big Monday. Yep, it really is a massive game on Big Monday. And how much do you take a look at spots like that with a Kansas team that, I mean, if you just take a look at the trends, they never, ever lose on Big Monday. I think that there's something like 33-0 and over the last 19 years at home on Big Monday. So I wouldn't get frisky with the money line for Cincinnati or anything like that. But how much does that play a little bit of a part in your handicapping? Because certainly I don't want it to be an end-all, be-all. But at the same time, I do think that it's always something to be mindful of when a team like a Kansas has domination on Monday and 
1A team, like I was mentioning this one last week, Colorado, for example, they just seem to always take you to Oregon whenever Oregon has to go to Boulder. There's three. It's a great call. The Colorado one was one, which I grabbed as well. And then the rule of thumb is what? Oregon always beats Utah, right? I, I think that was the rule. And then Utah was able to pull it out despite two starters, yet Oregon did cover. In fact, I think they're unique. The other one that I went the other way on is I didn't know, Greg, until I started researching it on Tuesday for my handicap that Indiana State had lost like seven of their last eight to Missouri State, something like that, where they, for some reason, it was like an odd matchup here. And I said, you know what? I really don't care because I think this Indiana State team is that good. So I think you have to be aware of it. And you have to say to yourself, is this one where we're going to break the trend or not? I remember it was a couple of years ago where Oregon always loses at Colorado. They finally broke the trend. So there are times you just have to keep it in the back of your mind as you handicap and see if this is going to be the trend or this is going to be the exception. Absolutely. And you don't want trends to be an end-all be-all. I think you do yourself a disservice by being completely oblivious and burying your head in the sand. And at the same time being like, well... Kansas never loses on Big Monday, so I'm going to lay 100 million billion points. That's not the way to go about it either. So I do think that there's always that happy medium when it comes to it. And then the other game that I was alluding to that is pretty large on Monday is this Wake Forest versus North Carolina game. And I've actually liked what I've seen. Uh, This Wake Forest team a little bit more wobbly on the road, but right now North Carolina is an eight-point favorite. Total on this game is 154.5. How do you view this game with a North Carolina team that I can't believe that I'm saying it, but they've actually figured out how to play defense this year? Yeah, they have. And R.J. Davis is, is again, playing at a first-team All-American level. He's so critical to what they do. He drives everything. I like Wake Forest in this game, though. I like Damari Monsanto, who came back. He came back after the injury, only plays 11 minutes, goes four of six from three-point range. People don't realize Damari Monsanto may be the best three-point shooter in all of college basketball. So they're fully healthy. You have Efton Reed. Hunter Salas has been outstanding for them. You know, Wake Forest stumbled there against NC State. They were up big in that game. But then there was the ejection of Hunter Salas late, I think. So that may have thrown them off a little bit. So to me, the only game they really lost away was Florida State, just one of those uh, situations. But they're 13-5. and five. Five and two. I think they're ready to go. I like them in this game. I like them with the points. I wouldn't be surprised if I sprinkled in the money line also. Steve Forbes does an outstanding job. And the thing I love about Wake, Greg, is you're going to take a team to cover on the road. I hammer this home. They better make their free throws. Wake Forest, Demon Deacons, second best in all of college basketball, 80.1% from the free throw line. Yep, and I personally do like the over in this game as well because here at Point of Monsanto, I think that he's going to be able to make a bunch of threes. Wake Forest a little bit wobbly on the defensive side of things when they're on the road, but they hit their shots, absolutely. So I do think that we're going to get a great affair there as joining me on the show. We do have Mike Randall. who does great work over at FTN Network. And Mike, it is a relatively thin Monday card. We went through the biggest two games and the rest of it. It's like the Patriot League, we've got a big sky game or two. Is there anything else on the card that you are going to be taking a look at? Or is it a case where you do stay away from more of that like swag, meak, what have you that we typically get on these Mondays? No, Greg, you know we're college basketball hoops junkies. Yeah, so I'm yeah, gonna yeah. try to I'm gonna find one here. Can somebody tell me when Colgate's ready in the Patriot League? Because I have gotten burned on Colgate over and over again. Army away, they won, but that was depending on the number you got. Did they win or lose? Bucknell away, I don't think they covered. Lafayette, they lost at home. Navy away, they didn't cover. So I'm waiting for the real Colgate to get going here. They did destroy a a BU by 16 at home. So I think that was right around the number. So I'm looking to see, are they ready to go here against Lehigh? This is a Lehigh team that is not very good. They've lost four of their last six. They've lost three straight games. They did beat American at home by two. But that's what I'm looking at because, again, 
I want regression. I want positive regression if they're underachieving, and I want negative regression. I think they're overachieving. You know Matt Langle. You know Colgate. They're normally really solid. Keegan Wreckers didn't play one of those games. He did come back last game and got going again. So at some point, Colgate's going to have one of those 85-point games, and it could be Monday against the Lehigh team. Finally getting me a cover here with the Red Raiders. Yep, and with this Lehigh bunch, they've been dealing with an injury to Keith Higgins, their top scorer. It's a Lehigh team that they're certainly playing up-tempo. I remember cashing a ticket on them in the non-conference portion of the season against North Carolina, so... Maybe they will do an okay job there, but this is a team that is really not playing a whole heck of a lot of defense. Where's C.J. McComb when you need him for this bunch as well? But a man that is always here when we need him. That'd be you, Mike. You do absolutely tremendous work over at FTN Network, taking a look at not just college basketball, but NBA, NFL, and so much more. So let the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. You can follow me on Exit Randall Rand. Join me over at FTN. We're killing it. FTN Fantasy got a new website rolling out. Our bets are scalding hot. Finally caught fire here, Greg. It's been a battle beginning of the season up, down, but we've had some good momentum last two weeks. And of course, I got my college basketball betting show. Try to do volume here. Not the volume that Greg does. Greg's at a, you're at a different level, my friend, but I try to do as much volume I can on Saturday. Accuracy has been going well. Come to the FTN YouTube channel as well. Just hang out, have some coffee. Tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I'm great. Whatever you want, just leave a note there and we'll have a conversation Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Saturday mornings, 1030. Always a fun time with Mike. He does a tremendous job looking at so many different things. And every single time he joins this podcast, one's amazing insights on this game that we all know and love. So big thanks to Mike for joining me on Coast Coast Superstar, part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Monday as we get some main stuff. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And we're back here in Las Vegas for Ghost to Ghost Heaps with myself, Greg Heaps Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by Mike Randall. He does tremendous work over at FTN Network, taking a look at this game that we all know and love of college basketball. Every single time he joins this podcast, does a tremendous job lending insights on this game and always making us just a little bit smarter about basketball in general. A big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this College Basketball Monday as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash XFeed at GNNRS41. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. That's where we go with the games in the bigger conferences first, and then the smaller conference games are going to be at the bottom. The smaller conferences are the Patriot League, the SWAC, the MEAC, the Southland. If we have any Atlantic Sun and independent conference games, that would be Chicago State, those will be at the bottom as well. Let's get things started, though, with 871-872 on the card. It is Wake Forest in the road face off against North Carolina. North Carolina, an 8-point favorite total on this game, 154.5. 
I did set my total at 157. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. This is a Wake Forest team that has really been an all-gas, no-break sort of team. This team offensively has been able to light it up. And this team defensively certainly leaving something to be desired. Now, they are going up against a North Carolina team that all of a sudden is a top 40 defense in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. But this Wake Forest team has been essentially a rocket ship with regards to their offense. 31st in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. A team that does a little things as well. They only turn the ball over about 11 or so times per contest. They do a solid job being able to light it up from three-point range. And they also shoot north of 80% the free throw line. That is a top five mark in all of college basketball. But... I do think that Armando Baycoat is good to be able to win the battle down low, being able to give you 10 rebounds per game. And then Harrison Ingram and his overall versatility, I do think is going to take it out of a Wake Forest team that has certainly been having their woes offensively and has not been the same team in a roadside shoot record environment rather than at home for Wake Forest. Overall 66th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but giving up 19.1 points more per 100 possessions in a roadside shoot record environment as they have now given up at least 80 points in three of their last five games. They were able to take it to Louisville, and they themselves have been able to get to at least 70 points, and I believe all but two of their games thus far this season since Efton Reed has been back at the fold. They've gotten to at least 74 in all but two of them as well. But for North Carolina, you do have R.J. Davis leading the way, 20 points, three and a half assists, shooting 41.5% from three, and it's a North Carolina team that they're back in the top one arm with regards to tempo. They're shooting 35.5% from three. They themselves shoot North of 76% the free throw line. All will only turn the ball over 10 and a half times per game. Going up against a Wake Forest team that really doesn't generate a lot of turnovers. Wake Forest, even though they've been very good defensively, they haven't generated a lot of turnovers either. And Damari Monsanto coming back in the fold. That's big for Wake Forest, but he did only play 11 minutes first time out. He did go 4 of 6 from 3 power range. Certainly, I think that there's going to be a bit of regression there. And for Wake Forest, they're shooting 39.5% from 3. It has been a mark that has been able to travel as Hunter Salas, Kevin Boopy Miller, these two guys combined for about 35 points right around six half assists per contest and then Austin Carr down low he's able to give you about seven to seven and a half rebounds per game I'll read he gives you about eight and a half rebounds per game but I do think that North Carolina is going to do a solid job on the glass they're 21st in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate and even with Wake Forest getting some reinforcements in this is a team that's outside the top 100 with that regard with the way that North Carolina has been able to defend and the way that Wake Forest has really given it up from three-pointer and this team is outside of the top 140 with regards to their opponent's three-point shooting percentage. So, did make my number nine. I'm going to be willing to lay it with North Carolina and set my total 157. So, looking over and I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Tar Heels. 873-874 on the betting board. Hofstra hits the road face off against Stony Brook. Stony Brook finds themselves as a home underdog of three points with your total 142.5. I made Stony Brook the one-and-a-half point favorite. I'm going to be taking a look at them outright on the money line. Now, with Hofstra, they do have the more flashy firepower at the top as you've got a pair of guys, Darlson Dunbar, along with Tyler Thomas, who've been able to combine for north of 20 points per contest. Both of these guys knocking down north of 37% of their threes. And with Dunbar, he has been able to give the team 7.5 rebounds. They both chip in about 1.2 seals per contest, but really outside that, you don't get a ton. Yaquan Carlos is someone that I do like in terms of his facilitation. He's able to give you about 6 assists per contest, but outside these three guys, nobody else on the roster gives you north of 6 points per contest. Dunbar is the only guy that gives you 
north of five rebounds per game as well. And though this is a Sony Brook team that certainly they do have their woes on the glass, I do think that they're going to be able to play even up slash be able to win that battle, and that'll lead to them being able to get the job done. This is a Sony Brook team that does rank right around 220th in the country with regards to their rebound rate. Hofstra, meanwhile, they're clocking in 308. They just need a little bit more out of Yako Fritz, the six foot ten gentleman that comes in from Canisius. He's been able to give you about six points, a few rebounds per game. Meanwhile, for Sony Brook, Charles Madeau has been able to give you six boards, a steal per contest. For a Sony Brook team, that does a very good job of taking care of the ball. They're turning the ball over a little bit less than 11 times per contest. You've got a Hofstra team that certainly is going to be giving it up from both three-point land and inside. This Hofstra team is outside the top 200. Turns the points a lot on a per-possession basis. It is a Sony Brook team that they themselves do leave quite a bit of something to be desired as well. 244th in off-college basketball. Turns the points a lot on a per-possession basis. And both of these teams have had their woes with giving it up from three-point range. Sony Brook outside the top 220 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. Meanwhile, this is a Hofstra team that is 294th with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. You've got Tyler Stevenson Moore shooting nearly 40% from three-point range. A steal, 15 points per game out of him. And Keenan Fitzmore being a true seven-footer that's able to pop threes, is able to give you about 10.5 points per contest. I think that that's going to be big in this spot, along with Andre 3000 Snotty giving you about six rebounds per game. I do think that Sony Brook going to be able to win from within. It's a Sony Brook team that has been much better with their defense recently. In regulation, they have given up 71 points or fewer in four of their last five games. This is a Hofstra team that they have been having a rough time being able to get it going with their offense, and that is supposed to be their forte for this Hofstra team. They have failed to break the 70-point plateau and now three other five games this calendar year. And for this officer team, if you want to date it back a little bit further, they have been held below the 70-point plateau in all but five of their games since the beginning of the month of December. So I do think that Sony Brook gets a ton. I do think that we're going to get a little bit more scoring in this game. I did sell my total 143. Both of these teams are outside the top 200 with regards to total possessions per game, but certainly both of these teams have their woes with regards to giving up the three ball. So at a 143 or less, looking at the over. And with Sony Brook, made them the favorite out of one and a half points, so going to be looking at Sony Brook outright on the money line to go along with that over. 875, 876 on the begging board. Idaho State hits the road face off against Montana State, and Montana State is a four and a half to a five point favorite. Totals between 137 and 137 half. I made my number four and a half, so seeing the five that we've got out there right now, I'm going to be willing to take the points with Idaho State. Idaho State, one of those textbook teams showing that just because you play slow doesn't mean that you play tremendous defense, even though you look at the number and you're like, hey, Idaho State, they're only giving up 68 points per contest. Well, that's a little bit misleading because Idaho State is in the bottom 40 with regards to total possessions per game. And if you take a look at points allowed on a per-possession basis, this team is about 304th in all of college basketball. Though I will say, they don't take too much of a fall off on the road, only giving up a point and a half more in a roadside shoot court environment rather than at home. Meanwhile, you've got a Montana State team that certainly leaves quite a bit of something to be desired themselves. They're about 241st in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. Now, I will say this for Montana State. They've got by far the most versatile player out there on the floor. That would be Robert Ford III. He actually used to play at Idaho State. 14.5 points, nearly 3 steals, 7.9 rebounds, 2.7 assists per contest, all while standing just 6 feet tall. But he doesn't have a lot of support around him. This is a Montana State team that has been able to get about 15.5 points, 4.5 points out of Brian Baraki, who's shooting about 38.5% from three-point range. And it's a Montana State team that they shoot 75% the free throw line, 34% from three. They don't do a terrible job at the free throw line either. But now they do have to go up against an Idaho State team that I do think is going to be able to do the better job on the glass. You've got a pair of guys in Kyrie Huey along with Braden Parker, but able to combine for about 11.5 rebounds per game. And just flat out, they've got a little 
little bit more size in with Parker along with Miguel Tomley. They both shoot north of 36% from three-point. It's an Idaho State team that they also turn the ball over about 11.8 times for contests. And when it comes to this Idaho State team, they have been giving it up from three-point range at home rather than on the road. On the road, Idaho State has actually been halfway decent with their three-point shooting defense at 33.1%. That falls to about 37.5% when they're at home. And this is a Montana State team that they do leave themselves prone to giving up a lot of outside looks as well. They're allowing opponents to shoot about 31.8% from three-point range. They've been a bit better at home rather than on the road, but I do think that Idaho State going to find a way to be able to get some second chances, utilize their size to be able to hold in this game. Idaho State clocking in right around about 240th with regards to their rebound rate. It's a Montana State team that they're right now coming in in that neighborhood of about 342nd. So those issues on the glass, I do think are going to be a bit costly for Montana State in a game where I do think that you're going to get some relatively solid defense, but I also do think that you're going to get some late game felling. So with all that said, did semi total 134.5. These are two teams well outside the top 200 in terms of total possessions per game and Idaho State well outside the top 300 and for Idaho State credit where credit is due much better defensively recently 66 points are fear surrendered in far of their last five games meanwhile Montana State has actually gotten to 75 plus in far of their last five games so good old situation something got, got to give and I do think that the defense is going to be exactly what comes to the forefront I'm going to be taking a look at five plus here with Idaho State and going to be taking a look at the under semi 12 134 and a half 877 878 on the betting board it is Weber State on the road facing up against Montana Montana does find themselves as a one to one and a half point favorite. Your total is between 145 and 145 and a half. I have a flip of favorites. I said Weber State as a one-point favorite. I'm going to be looking at them outright on the money line. Last time these two teams played, it was a DK Network write-up pick, and I laid the points with Weber State, and they won that game by 30. I don't think that we are going to be seeing a duplication of that. Montana went 3 of 20 from 3-point range. Weber State went 9 of 12 from 3-point range. I don't think Weber State is going to shoot 75% from 3, but Weber State, once again, is going to have the best player on the floor. That'd be Dylan Jones. 18.5 points, 10 boards, 5 assists, 1.8 steals on 34% three-point shooting. He absolutely does it all for a Weber State team that they're very slow. They're outside the top three with regards to total possessions per game, but they're just very efficient in terms of their offense. They only turn the ball over 9.6 times for contest. They shoot 77.5% of the free throw line. They shoot 36.5% from three-point range. The defense, it can be a little bit wobbly from time to time, but I mean, it's still relatively solid. They're about 141st in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, and they're going up against a Montana team that's 244th in the country with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. Now, it is a Weber State team that they're allowing much more from beyond the arc when they're away from home. Weber State overall in terms of opponents' three-point shooting percentage, they're 183rd with opponents shooting about 34% from three-point range against them. I don't think we're going to see a duplication of the three of 20 from the last time around at eight in Moody. I do think it's doing for a little bit of positivity. My season shot right around 40% from three. Starting to get back to that right now. Shooting about 37.5% from distance just two weeks ago. He was clocking in more around 33-32% from three as he and Money Williams, great name by the way, combined for about 29 points. Money Williams gives you about three and a half assists per contest for a team that they only do turn the ball over about ten and a half times per game. This is a team though that really doesn't give you a lot on the glass. Valau, okay, has been able to give you about 7.7 boards per contest. And then Deshaun Thomas, who's able to give you about 11.5 points, 5.5 rebounds per game. He's the only other player on the roster that's really able to give you north of 4.5 to 5 rebounds per game. For Montana, they're about 123rd with regards to rebound rate despite this. But having Blaze Threat be able to step up, giving nearly 10 points per contest. Steve Verplanken being a 40% three-point shooter with double
double figures to be able to help out Dylan Jones as big as Weber State. They're right around about 140th with regards to their rebound rate as well. It's a Weber State team that does an incredible job slowing games down, and they're playing against a Montana team that they're in their element playing slow and controlled games, but even though they play a relatively slow tempo, this has been a team that has really popped off with their offense for 80-plus points each out of their last five games. Though I will say this, they have given up at least 77 points in three of their last five. Meanwhile, it's a Weber State team that they've been in control. 71 points are fear surrendered in three out of their last four games. So it is a situation of something's got to give, and I do think that we are going to see quite a bit of defense in this game, despite the fact that both of these teams, they are shot-making teams, but both of these teams as well, as I was alluding to, they're two of the slower teams that you're going to find in all of college basketball, well outside the top 225 for both of these teams in terms of total possessions per game, which is why I did set my total at a 139. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I like Weber State with the best player out there on the floor to be able to get the job done outright on the money line for Weber State. This is last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we get the extra games. 879-880. It is Kansas. They play us at Cincinnati. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. Bill Belichick and they are on to being 7.5 to 8 point underdogs. So on this game, they're between 145.5 and 146. Was talking about this with Mike Randall. Certainly, I don't think the Kansas is going to lose this game. They always win outright when it comes to Big Monday. I think that this could be a little bit more of a nip and tuck game, though. I did set my line at a seven. So getting seven after eight, I'm going to be willing to take the points. And it's because Cincinnati has been able to do such a good job down low, getting Aziz Pandango back in the fold, who was the all whack defensive player of the year, has been able to give you nine boards, chipping in there north of a block and a half per contest. That is massive for a Cincinnati team that's currently sixth in all. Of college basketball with regards to rebound rate and having Victor Lakeen just be a do-it-all sort of player I think has also been tremendous with 13.7 boards at 6 foot 11 he's shooting about 32.5% from 3 par range and that's really the Cincinnati team they don't necessarily have true guards other than perhaps Day Day Thomas you get a little bit of Jizzle James as well with Thomas being more of that score giving you about 3.3 assists stealing half 11.5 points per contest and has been able to come along for the ride recently he's been able to give the team 17 assists to 6 turnovers in the last four games going up against a Kansas team that they're going to have the most efficient point guard out there. That would be Dewan Harris. 7.7 7 assists. He's been able to shoot 42% from three, but does get very skittish to shoot. Going up against a Kansas team that they're right around 50th with regards to rebound rate. Their big two is going to be the best in this game. There's no question about it. Kevin McCullough, Hunter Dickinson, a combined 39.5 points, 17.5 rebounds. Dickinson still shooting 42% from three. McCullough shoots 37% from the outside, and Kansas, they always have some pretty demonstrative splits with regards to their three-point shooting and just their overall offense at home rather than on the road. This is a Kansas team that, with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, they are a top-50 team in all of college basketball. And when it comes to this Kansas bunch, they are scoring right around about 13.5 points more per 100 possessions at home rather than in a roadside shoot record environment. Meanwhile, this is a Cincinnati team that, there's no question, they do take a little bit of a tumble with regards to their defense when they are away from home. For Cincinnati, terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis, this team clocking in 16th in all of college basketball, but they are giving up about 14.5 points more per 100 possessions when they leave home. But I do think that Cincinnati going to be able to do just enough with regards to the three-point shooting defense to be able to hold in this game. And it's not a Kansas team that is playing super-duper up they're very much a mid-tempo team, and for Kansas, they're about 149th in all of college basketball. With regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage, while they see a nice boost with their offense at home, uh, their defense, it's relatively stagnant, and they go up against the Cincinnati team that's about 74th in all of college basketball. With regards to 
opponent's three-point shooting percentage, though I do think that Kansas gets a nice boost at home, and I think that Kansas gets the job done outright. Having this number at a 7.5 to 8, I feel like has went a little bit too far. I set my number at 7, so I'm going to be taking a look at the points. And when regards to total, I did set it at a 141. I do think that Cincinnati going to do a solid job on the glass, holding Kansas one and done opportunity. So, looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the points with Cincinnati. Now, let's hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today, so we go into the bonus. 306-635, 306-636. It is Colgate. They play also Lehigh. Lehigh is an underdog of 12.5 points. So, this game is 144. Did set my line at a 12.5 as well. I'm seeing some 13s out there, and 13 is the official opener. So, at a 13 plus, we'll be looking at Lehigh. Starting to see an 11.5 out there as well. If we can actually get that 11.5, I would rather lay that rather than take the 13. It is a Colgate team that each out of the last three seasons, they've been a top 10 team in all of college basketball with regards to three point shooting percentage. They're not quite there this season, but they've done a good job of being able to lock it down from three point range, much better than they have in past years. Last year, they allowed opponents to shoot 35.6% from three point range. This year, 31.9% overall. That falls at 29.4% when they're at home going up against the Lehigh team as 346th in all of college basketball with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. Certainly, this is not the Colgate teams of old. They lost quite a bit from last season, but you do have someone in Braden Smith who's able to be a sad sheet suffer. No relation to the Purdue Braden Smith, but it's been able to give you 13.5 points, 5.5 boards, 5.5 assists, shooting 36.5% from three-point five plus assists in each of the team's last five games, six plus rebounds in each of the team's last five games, going up against a Lehigh team that has been dealing with that injury to Keith Higgins. He has not been out there since January 6th, leads away with 15 points per contest. Highly don't think that he's probably not going to play in this game. Dom Perlin has been able to give you about five and a half rebounds per game, just returned to the fold for the team and hasn't looked like himself. Did put up 20 points in that game against Navy, so that was relatively solid, but all in all has been a little bit wobbly since coming back from injury down low. It's a Lehigh team that turns the ball for 13 times for contest, and right now the backcourt space around Tyler Whitney City. Shooting 35% from three, two and a half assists, 14 and a half points per game. Just doesn't have a lot of help outside of that. Meanwhile, you've got a Colgate team that does have Keegan Records, who's able to give you about seven rebounds per game. This is a Colgate team that has been able to do a solid job of taking care of the ball as well, with 11.3 turnovers per game. You'd like to see them shoot better than the sub-70% that they do shoot at the charity stripe, but Colgate, they're about 124th in the country. It turns points a lot on a per-possession basis, giving up 12.1 points fewer per one hour possessions at home rather than in a roadside shoot court environment. And for Lehigh, clocking in well outside the top two hundred with that regard and with this Lehigh team not really being a team that's able to knock down threes, I do think that's going to be a little bit tough for them going up against the Colgate team that now has been able to get to at least 75 points in three of their last five games. I do think that they make it four out of their last six. I did set my total at a 144 and a half. So you got the 144 looking at the over of Colgate wanting to lay the 11 and a half that I'm seeing out there with them right now. 306 Southeast Louisiana is going to be playing us in Northwestern State. Northwestern State does find themselves as an underdog of 7.5 points. Their total on scheme between 138 and 138.5. And, and with Northwestern State, I did set them as an underdog of 14 points. So I'm going to be one to lay with a Southeast Louisiana team that I know that they leave quite a bit of something to be desired. This team is outside the top three in terms of total possessions per game. They're really looking to make things very slow, very grimy, and it's a bunch that they only shoot about 27.8% from three-point range at home. That is a bottom 40 mark with regards to home three-point shooting percentage. And this is a Northwestern State team that they're starting to be able to knock down some shots. In terms of their three-point shooting percentage, it's still overall for the season 323 
third. Northwestern State is outside the top 340 in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis as well. You just haven't been able to have a lot of rhyme or reason with regards to what this Northwestern State team is going to be able to give you on a night-in, night-out basis. They've got Cliff Davis, who's been able to log about 15.5 points per contest, but they don't have a single guy on the roster that's currently healthy. That gives you north of 4.5 rebounds per game. Jamison Epps was doing a solid job on the glass, got injured in mid-December, has not been seen ever since then for a Northwestern State team that is pretty mid-tempo. They turned the ball over about 13.5 times through contest. There's just really not a lot to love for this Northwestern State team. It's a Northwestern State team that's also getting gashed on defense in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis. They are well outside the top 225, and this is also a Northwestern State team that's going to need to deal with the overall size that you've got for Southeast Louisiana. Roger McFarland is a do-it-all player at 6'5", 13.5 points, 7.5 boards, shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. Bowden Woodbury has been able to do a solid job with his frame about six foot ten, being able to pile up about five and a half rebounds per game. And then Alec Woodard, how about him being a do-it-all player? Nine points, four boards, a little bit over a seal on 32% three-point shooting. It is a Northwestern State team that certainly has been giving it up from the arc as well. Northwestern State, in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage, they're about 176th in all of college basketball. For Southeast Louisiana, this has been a little bit of a kryptonite of theirs at 288th in all of college basketball. But with this Northwestern State team, you really don't have the guys to take advantage of this. And on top of that, with this Northwestern State team, you just don't have anyone to be able to pull in their rebounds for you as well. So Northwestern State currently 331st in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate for Southeast Louisiana. They've actually been one of the better teams of the conference at being able to glass at right around 223rd. So I do think that Southeast Louisiana wins from within, set them as a 14-point favorite. I'm going to be one to lay the number. And in terms of the total, I did set it at a 136 with the way that Northwestern State has heated up a little bit with their offense. They had a big outburst against New Orleans. Meanwhile, you've got a Southeast Louisiana team that's looking to play very, very slowly. And I do think that for this Northwestern State team, we are going to see this team fall back to earth just a little bit. So, did set my total 136 diving under, and I'm going to be willing to lay it with Southeast Louisiana. 306-639-306-640. It is Texas A&M Corpus Christi playing us to McNeese. McNeese 8, a 5 to 5.5 point favorite. Your total between 141.5 and 142. I set McNeese as a 7.5 point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay the number. It's a McNeese team that has really been doing a nice job of slowing down games here in the bottom 15 actually in terms of total possessions per game and they really maximize their possessions. McNeese, a top 45 team in terms of fewest turnovers on a per possession basis, turning it over just 9.8 times for contact while shooting as a collective 39.5% from three-point range. Uh, their top five scores, four of them shoot at least 40% from three-point range with now being able to get a little bit more out of Mike Saunders. Mike Saunders comes in after he spent the beginning part of his career over at Cincinnati and Utah has been a career about 32.5% three-point shooter, so I think that that's going to cool off a little bit, but he's been able to give the team 22 points in two games back. Shada Wells has been your main man. Three steals, five boards, four and a half assists, 19 points on 41% three-point shooting, and then Chris Christian Shulmate. He's able to give you darn near a double-double. Nine and a half boards, twelve and a half points per contest. Going up against a Corpus Christi team that does rank in the top one in terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis. They've done a really good job of being able to guard the three-point arc, a top 125 team with that regard as well. And for Corpus Christi, this team in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, when they are in their friendly confines at home, this has been a top 40 defense in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis at home. As a matter of fact, a top 25 defense. 
with disrespect, but they do have to go up against a McNeese team that they just have much better guard play than what they've seen all season long. To the credit of Texas A&M Corpus Christi, you've got Gary Clark down low, so able to give you about 12 points, 8.5 rebounds per game. Nobody else on the roster gives you north of 5.6 rebounds per game, yet they're a team that does rank in the top 60 nationally with regards to rebound rate. You've got Dane Prim, who's coming from Northwestern State. He's been able to give you those about 5.5 or so rebounds per game, so I do like what he's been able to do for this bunch, but they go up against a McNeese team that has been one of the best teams at being up with the road all season long. McNeese is another top 125 team with regards to their rebound rate, and Corpus Christi just flat out doesn't have enough shot making to be able to win this game, in my opinion. They shoot 28.2% from three-point range. Each other top three scores, there are only guys that give you north of 8.2 points per contest. They all shoot 27.5% or less from three-point range. Texas A&M Corpus Christi has done a good job of winning the turnover battle as well, despite being a slightly up-tempo team. This team has only turned the ball over about 12 times for contest, so they've been relatively reliable there, but this is a McNeese team that has been able to get things played at their tempo all season long. Corpus Christi more on 115th in the country with regards to total possessions per game. I do think that they get slowed down by a McNeese team that has been a top 100 defense in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis all season long, and I do think that with Christian Schulme giving you double-double, and having all those guards, that's just going to take it out of this Corpus Christi team, especially with McNeese. Now have been giving up fewer than 70 points in every one of their games that they have played this calendar year, and for this McNeese team, they have given up 72 points or fewer, and now all but three of the games that they have played thus far this season against Division One competition. So, I did set my total at a 135.5. This is a Corpus Christi team that, by the way, has played more than 70% of their games to the under, so looking under, and with McNeese, want to lay up to seven points with them. 306 41 42 It is Incarnate Word playing us in Nichols. Nichols just find themselves as a three and a half point favorite. Your total is 146 of 146 with Nichols. I set them as just a two point favorite. So being able to get three plus, I'm going to be taking a look at the points with Incarnate Word. Reinforcements have arrived for Incarnate Word as Alex Anderson, who was beginning his career out there in the swag. He's come in and now he's been able to give the team nine points, three boards, three assists. So that does elevate an Incarnate Word team that certainly has had a tough time taking care of the ball. 16 turnovers per game. In terms of turnover on a per-possession basis. That is a bottom 40 mark in all of college basketball, though you do have Josiah Hammonds, Sky Wicks being able to combine for about 28 points. This team does need a little bit more direction with regards to facilitation, but Elijah Davis has stepped up, being able to give this team three-plus assists per contest, and they are going to be going up against a squad of nickels that they just don't force the seals that they did a season ago last year. This was a bunch that really over the last few years under Austin Clanch, who decided in the offseason he would move on and take an assistant coaching role over at Alabama, that they would always generate a bunch of turnovers. You still do have Deontay Smith giving you two and a half seals, 14 points, six half boards at right around about six foot five, six foot six. Shoot 38 and a half percent from three par range. And forgot Jamal West. Chipping in there, 8.5 boards, 16.5 points per game. But with this Nichols team, it is a little bit of a top-heavy team. It turns points a lot on a per-possession basis. This is not the same defense that we have seen in past years. 253rd in all of college basketball. Not to say that Encarnate Word is lighting the world on fire at 306th. But that said, I do think that Encarnate Word is going to be able to do a relatively solid job. I'll be able to find some holes. Against the Nichols defense, whose forte is actually being able to guard the arc. They're 42nd in all of college basketball with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. That certainly does trump Incarnate Word, a team that, with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, clocking in right around about 165th. That falls to about 
31.6% when they are at home, but it's also a nickel team. Turned the ball over north the 13 times for contest. I was expecting a little bit more this season out of someone like Malik Thomas. He has been out of the fold for much of the campaign. That has been hampering them quite a bit, so Robert Brown the third has had to step up, giving the team 33% three-point shooting as one for 16-plus points in four of the team's last five games, but this is an incarnate word team that with getting Anderson back to the fold, I do think that it's going to be able to help them out a little bit more offensively, defensively. It's been a mess for the team. They've given up 74-plus points in each of their last five games. Meanwhile, you've got a Nichols team that, in regulation, they have been held to fewer than 70 points in three out of their last four games. So, good old situation of something's got to give. I do think that this is going to be an up-tempo game. It's an incarnate word team that still is in the top 75 in terms of total possessions per game, and it is an incarnate word team that's just absolutely giving it up. So, did sell my total at 150. I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. And when it comes to Nichols, going to make them a two-point favorite, so going to be taking the points with the word as well. 306-643-306-644. It is Lamar. They play us to Texas A&M Commerce. Commerce is an underdog of 5-5.5 to five and a half points. Totals between 147.5 and 148. I did sell Lamar as an 8-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay this number. It is a Lamar team that has really been able to do a nice job of bombing in from 3 power range and they have pushed their tempo. Texas A&M Commerce is a team that's right around about 125th with regards to total possessions. Brain. Lamar is a top 50 team and Lamar is one of those holes greater than some of its parts teams. Each other top four scores all give you between 11 and 11.7 points per game. You've been able to have Scary Terry Anderson coupled with Chris Pryor be the main guys for this team in terms of facilitation with a little bit over six assists per contest. And Pryor is now shooting about 40% from three points. It is a Lamar team that they're going to be able to generate a few turnovers as well. They're getting about six steals per game. Lamar certainly does leave themselves prone to giving up some open three-point looks. They are allowing opponents to shoot in the pocket about 36% from three-point range. That is a bottom 40 mark in all of college basketball. But this is also a Texas A&M Commerce team that when they are playing at home, this team has been allowing opponents to shoot right in the neighborhood about 38% from three-point. That actually falls closer to about 31.5% in a roadside shooter corner environment. So very funky split there. I do think that that is one that's going to be ironing out as the season goes along. And it is a Commerce team that they just really lack that oomph from the outside, and going up against a Lamar team that does a very good job of being able to seek the ball. They're a top 50 team with regards to turnovers forced on a per-possession basis. I do think that that's going to take that out of them a little bit. And then you've also got so many other ancillary pieces, like a Deshaun Jackson, Jacavion Buckley, for Lamar. They're both shooting north of 36.5% from three. They both give you about eight points per contest, while this Commerce team doesn't have a single guy in the roster that gives you north of 4.6 rebounds per game. That would be Jerome Brewer. has been able to give you 14 points, four and a half boards, and then you've also been able to get right around about 14 points, three assists out of Kaitlin Williams. Williams shoots about 32% from three, but all in all, it's a Commerce team that doesn't have any size. They shoot 32.5% from three-point range. Not to say that Lamar is any sort of a juggernaut with regards to their rebounding. In terms of rebound Lamar currently clocking him 178th in all of college basketball, but this is a Texas A&M Commerce team that's 359th. I do think that they lose the battle down low, and with Lamar being the better three-point shooting team, I do think that they're going to get it done against a Commerce team that was able to knock off St. Joe's unbelievably earlier in the season, but has really been scuffling with their offense. 68 points or fewer in four of their last five games, going up against a Lamar team that they've been pretty solid with regards to their offense, 75-plus in four out of their last five games. So it is a spot where I'm going to be one to lay with Lamar, made them an 
eight-point favorite, and did semi-total at a 148 with the way that Lamar has been able to generate their offense. So here at a 147.5, looking over, and I'm going to be one to lay it with Lamar. This is going to be my DK Network write-up pick. 306645, It's Houston Christian playing goes to New Orleans. New Orleans, a two-and-a-half point favorite. Saw a few twos out there as well. Totals between 157 and 158. My write-up is going to be on New Orleans. I did set them as a six-and-a-half point favorite. New Orleans comes in, having lost back-to-back games, was bad for them on defense, and it is a New Orleans team that has given up 73-plus points in each of their last five games. That said, they've got the number six scorer in all of college basketball, and Jordan Johnson is giving you 21.8 points, four assists, shooting 38.5% from three-point range. I think that he's going to take it to a Houston Christian team that I legitimately think is a bottom 10 team in all of college basketball. Houston Christian, despite the fact that they've got a pair of guys that give you north of seven and a half rebounds per game, this is a squad that they've had all sorts of issues with regards to their defense. They're currently nationally ranked 359th in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, allowing opponents to shoot 24.8% from three-point range, while they also rank 330th in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis when they are playing at home. It is a New Orleans team that has been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to force turnovers on the road, 60th in the country with regards to turnovers forced per defensive play on the road, going up against the Houston Christian team as a bottom 20 team nationally in terms of taking care of the ball north of 17 turnovers per game. You've been able to have Michael Imarajabe, hopefully I said that correctly, along with Bonke Maring, be able to combine for about 17 rebounds per game, but when it comes to this Houston Christian team, the fact that they shoot 24.8% from three, second worst in all of college basketball, that's a big giant red flag, and among players that have been able to score north of 10 total points this far this season, that's not 10 points per game, that's 10 10 total points. You've got two guys on the roster that are currently shooting north of 23% from three-point range. One of those guys is Marcus Green. 14 points, three and a half boards, three and a half assists. I do like what I'm seeing out of him, but it's a Houston Christian team that they're just rhymeless and reasonless when it comes to New Orleans. And the guys that support Jordan Johnson, they could use a little bit more down low themselves. Javon Vincent at 6'4 is the team's leading rebounder with about 5.8 rebounds per game. But Caleb Wilson-Rouse, who's come over after he spent some time, I believe, out there in the WCC along with Wagner, has been able to give you 10.5 points, 1.6 steals per contest. Not to say that New Orleans is amazing with their defense, but with the way that they're able to rip the ball away and with the way that they should be able to do an okay job on the glass, I do think that they should be able to get it done. New Orleans just three. 36th in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate, but despite the fact that Houston Christian has more top flight rebounding, they are just 288th in the country with this regard as well. It is a Houston Christian team that just all of a sudden has been able to do a solid job of being able to guard the three-point arc as well. It's a Houston Christian team that they're in the top 50 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, but New Orleans, they're also a top one on our team with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage, and if you look at the way that they are giving it up inside the arc, Houston Christian, out of 362 Division I teams, they are a bottom 30 team in terms of opponent's two-point shooting percentage, 331st in all of college basketball with opponents shooting 55. 1% from inside the arc in their home games. That is a bottom 25 mark in the country. So it is a circumstance where my write-up is going to be on New Orleans. I do think that the top player in this game in Jordan Johnson lifts them to victory against the Houston Christian team that really is all sorts of rudderless in general. And I did set my total 158.5. Houston Christian, a top 20 team in terms of total possessions per game and a team that is getting completely gashed on the defensive side of things. And legitimately, both of these teams well outside the top 250. In terms of points a 
lot on a per possession basis. So my DK network right to pick is on New Orleans laying the number and going to be taking a look at the over. 306-647-306-648. Elkhorn State plays us a Prairie View. Prairie View finds themselves as three to three and a half point underdogs. Your Tallahassee game is 151 out with Prairie View. I did set them as a three point underdog. So seeing a three and a half out there, I'm going to be willing to take the points with Prairie View. It's a Prairie View team that their lifeblood is turnovers. They're a top 75 team in terms of turnovers forced on a per possession basis. A bottom team in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate, but fortunately for them, it's not like Alcorn State necessarily has a whole boatload of size as well. For Alcorn State, they're currently 292nd in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate. Having Jeremiah Kendall be able to give them 16.5.7 boards per contest, so Brian Miles should be able to match up with them, giving you about 7.5 rebounds per game for a Prairie View team that they're not amazing with their three-point shooting, but out of their top five scores, four of them shoot at least 33.3% from three-point range in the SWAC. That's actually not too bad with having Charles Smith be able to give you 14 points, a little bit over a seal, shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range for this Prairie View team. They do that good job of being able to generate the 9.7 seals per game, but they also do give it back a little bit as well with north of 13 turnovers per contest of their own. And it's an Alcorn State team that they don't really seek out as many seals, but at the same time, they turn the ball for 12 times per contest. They're shooting 31.5% from distance, but where you can really hurt this Alcorn State team is with the fact that they are very, very lackluster with regards to their defense, especially their interior defense. They are 360th in all of college basketball with regards to opponents' two-point shooting percentage, more like 197th in all of college basketball with regards to turnovers forced on a per-possession basis, so they don't match up very well with Prairie View, a team that's in the top 75 with that regard, and for Alcorn State, 349th in the country with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage as well, so lots of lead flags there. You've got Byron Joshua Decadrian and Thorne, who have both been able to combine to shoot about 30% from three, 18 and a half points per contest. Now, these two guys, they do generate about three steals per contest, but with the Salcorn State team being as awful as they are defensively, and this Prairie View team, I'm not going to say that they're great by any stretch of imagination on defense. They're 226th in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, but it is a Prairie View team that, at the very least, they're able to do something right in being able to generate turnovers. It is a Prairie View team that has now given up fewer than 70 points in three out of their first four games out there in the SWAC, and you've got an Elkhorn State team that has really been scuffling with their offense. And SWAC play began, they have scored 74 points or fewer in three other four games, and they have been out below 61 points in each out of the last two games. Defense still has been awful, to say the least, against Division I opponents. So you throw out there the non-D1 games that they played, and there have been a few of them. They have given up at least 72 points in all but one of them thus far this season. So I do think that you're going to be getting a little bit more scoring than expected, which is why I did set my total at a 151. Right now we are seeing this pretty much at a 151 across the board. We were seeing a little bit earlier some 152s out there. If we can reach that 152 mark, going to be looking at the under, but at north of three, going to be looking at the points. With Prairie View, 306-649-306-650. Arkansas Pine Bluff plays us a Bethune Cookman. Bethune Cookman is an underdog of two points. So Don's game 165 to 165 and a half. Arkansas Pine Bluff, your top team in all of college basketball with regards to overrate. All but two of their games have gone either over the total or have pushed the total. I'm looking at the over. I set my total at 166 half. Bethune Cookman, a team that's in the top 125 in terms of total possessions per game. And Bethune Cookman, they were able to give up just 64 points against Mississippi Valley State. Not very much is a metrics warper just because when Mississippi Valley State had 362 Division I teams, they ranked 362nd in terms of points 
scored on a per possession basis. You throw that massive outlier out of the fold, they have given up at least 72 points in all but one of their other games thus far this season, and this Pine Bluff team is just getting completely gashed. They have given up north of 75 points in all but two of their games against Division One foes thus far this season, but they're able to knock down shots. Rashad Williams, along with Kylan Melton, have been able to combine for about 37 points per contest, both shooting north of 37.5% per three, while Joe French, 16.5 points, seal per game, shoots 42% from three-par range. While Arkansas Pine Bluff does a good job of being able to hit their threes, and they are shooting 38.5% from three. That is a top 25 mark in all of college basketball. This Pine Bluff team, also 322nd in all of college basketball with regards to opponents. Three-point shooting percentage, and for Pine Bluff, when they're at home, they allow opponents to shoot north of 38% from three-par range, and it's a Bethune-Cookman team that's only shooting about 30% from three-par range, but We've got a nice trio with this team, with Jacoby Hattie, along with the former top 200 recruit in Zion Harmon, along with Deshaun Dyson, all being able to give you at least 13.9 points per contest. Harmon is your main facilitator with 4.2 assists per contest. Heedy has been able to shoot about 33.5% per three. It is a Bethune-Cookman team that they do turn the ball for about 15 half times per contest, but they're one of the best at being able to generate seals. You've got Damani McIntyre, who's got one of the most ridiculous splits I've ever seen. 3.1 points and 2.8 steals per contest. That's just absolutely ridiculous. This is a Bethune-Cookman team that, in terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis, right now they rank 13th in all of college basketball and in a road-slash-shoot-record environment that actually ascends to the top five. This is a Pine Bluff team, though, that they do a relatively solid job of being able to take care of the ball. Ishmael Platt, I do think, is going to be able to do a relatively solid job down low, giving you six rebounds per game, while Elijah Hellasitway has been able to give you about six rebounds per game as well for Bethune-Cookman, so it is a spot where I think that you get a very up-and-down game. Arkansas Pine Bluff in the top 20 in terms of total possessions per game, a rocket chip on offense, and a sieve on defense. Did set Bethune-Cookman as a two-and-a-half point road favorite because I do think that they generate those turnovers, turn that defense in offense. So, looking at the over, and I'm liking Bethune-Cookman outright on the money line. 306-651, 306-652. Mississippi Valley's eight plays us to Florida A&M. A&M finds themselves as seven to seven-and-a-half point favorite. Seeing a few eights pop up as well. Total on this game between 134-and-a-half and 135. Opener was seven, and I did make my number eight. So, here at the seven-and-a-half, Really up to 7.5. I'm going to be one to lay the number. It's a Florida A&M team going up against the Mississippi Valley State squad that is dead last in the country in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. Dead last in the country in terms of ball security. 17.2 turnovers per game. This Mississippi Valley State team shoots 62.2% of the free throw line, 27.5% from three-point range, and they've legitimately got three players giving you north of 4.3 points per contest, as it's been the Raquan Brown show for Mississippi Valley State. Six boards, a steal, 16.5 points per game. Meanwhile, you've been able to have Areco Gibson be able to erect something recently with nine points, four and a half rebounds per game, and Donovan Sanders has been able to give you 10.5 points per contest. Those are really the only guys that are giving you anything whatsoever for Mississippi Valley State, who's also one of the worst teams with regards to rebound rate and off college basketball. Now, the good news for them is that they are going up against a Florida A&M team that has been just getting completely pressure cookered on defense. In terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, Florida A&M, 358th in all of college basketball, but you've been able to get six boards, 14 points out of Keith Lamar. Six for six combo players, now shooting 39% from three-point range. Last year, Florida A&M was ghastly on offense, but okay on defense. This year, they're ghastly on defense, but okay on offense, even though they do turn the ball over about 14 and a half times for contact. 
contest and they could just use a little bit of consistency from Love Bettis being out there on the floor. He finally returned against Arkansas Bayern Bluff, but it was only for like one to two minutes, so I don't think we're going to be seeing too much of him. I do think that you're still going to be able to get just enough out of someone like Akijai Parker, who's come in. He's been able to give the team a little bit over eight points per contest. That's really been able to step up recently for the team. It's also a Florida A&M team that does have their issues down low. Other than Lamar, you don't have anyone else that gives you north of 4.1 rebounds per game, but with Mississippi Valley State also being a bottom 10 team in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis, and this Mississippi Valley State team doing absolutely nothing with regards to their interior defense in terms of opponent's three-point shooting percentage. They're well outside the top 225 with that regard as well. I do think that Florian M gets the job done. Willing to lay up to 7.5 with them, and did semi-tall at 134, even though Mississippi Valley State has a golden opportunity against bad defense, I don't think that they take advantage. So, looking at the under and willing to lay it with Florian M, and we wrap things up with 3 of 6, 6 3 It's Jackson State playing us to Texas Southern. Texas Southern, an underdog of five points, totals between 140.5 and 141.5. Did somebody total 136.5? It's not quite Mississippi Valley State level bad, but for Texas Southern, a bottom 10 team in all of college basketball in terms of points scored on a per possession basis. And you just can't be that when you're outside the top 275 with regards to rebound rate in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. Texas Southern clocking in 183rd. So they haven't been a complete abject disaster there, but for Jackson State, they're going to have by far the best scorer out there on the floor, and this is a Jackson State team that they're certainly going to be willing to give up their three-point looks to you, but instead, I just don't think that Texas Southern is going to be able to take advantage of them. As for Texas Southern, they do have P.J. Henry, who's been able to give you double figures throughout his career. He's been a low to mid-30% three-point shooter coming over from Hartford, but he just doesn't compare to Ken Evans. 18.5 points, five boards, two and a half assists for Jackson State while shooting 44.5% from three and a seal and a half per contest. He has gotten to at least 19 points so far the last five games, 15 plus in every one of them. Jackson State also down low as we have Zeke Cook be able to be a cook and seven and a half rebounds per contest out of him for a Jackson State team that they only shoot about 32.5% from three-point range, but we've got another 40% three-point shooter in Jordan O'Deal who's been able to give you about six boards, 12 and a half points per contest, a block and a half per game, and he's really hit mock turbo recently. Six plus boards, at least two blocks, and 12 points in each of the team's last four games. Meanwhile, you just don't have that top-end talent when it comes to Texas Southern. You've got John Cisse, who's coming from Incarnate Work, giving you about two and a half assists. She's 41.5% from three-point range, but the team as a whole, they're still shooting only about 38.7% from the floor. And for Texas Southern, typically this is a team that has a really good rebound rate, and they give it up from the outside. Well, that rebound rate is way down, and for Texas Southern, they're still outside the top 200 with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. Meanwhile, it is a Jackson State team that, if you're looking to beat them, they are allowing opponents to shoot about 35% from three, that's 250th in all of college basketball. Just don't think the Texas Southern knocks down those outside shots. Semi total 136 half, diving under. No Jackson State won't lay up to eight with them, and that will wrap things up for the Monday edition of Coast Coast Soups. Now, part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. A big thanks to Mike Randall of FDN Network for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcasts Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at GNN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe it does not matter. So, as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout these college basketball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.